You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Folks, I know things are still crazy right now, so why not treat yourself to some delicious baked goods? Head on over to FredHeBakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. That's FredHeBakes.com, coupon code NOLOVELOST. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network, where we have some No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, I know 2021 has been rough so far, and that's why we want to say that we hope you guys are all doing well. You know, keep doing what you need to do to stay safe and stay healthy. Um, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we got to hang in there for a little while longer. So please, please, please continue to take care of yourselves and continue to do whatever it is you need to do to stay safe, happy, and healthy. And know that we really appreciate your support and know that we love you and <laughs> we hope you're doing well. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears there was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposed to anybody but no there are times we hang our heads in sadness we know there's no love lost we have to go back. I mean, okay, but can you give me like, I don't know, 10 minutes just to make a list of like our all-time greatest no love lots lost hits? Like, could you give me just a couple minutes to do that? The greatest no love lost hits? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll give you that time. I'll tell you what, none of them, none of them are in quarantine. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's not inaccurate. <laughs> uh, welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down the greatest hits of the greatest series of all time, according to me. Um, <laughs> and no one else. <laughs> I'm Will Lincoln with me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are here to talk about season three, episode 21, Greatest Hits. Uh, it's a Charlie episode. Yeah, and we're we're ramping up to the end of season three, if I'm not mistaken. Can, are, are, do we get like 26 episodes this season? No, 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 no. This is the penultimate of oh, the season. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Next one is the, whether we want to break it up into two No Love Lost episodes or not, I guess we should discuss offline but <laughs> we have um it's a it's a two-part season finale i think you have to do it all as one because you know i mean that that's what we've done traditionally yes is we we like to lump those two parters together so but uh that's probably what we'll do but we'll see but this feels like a penultimate episode because this episode is all about getting all like the chess pieces in place yeah no more spinning our wheels which is so lovely isn't it to like see stuff happening and see like plot threads paid off and see like even like kind of offhanded inconsequential stuff that i didn't necessarily think tied into anything come back and pay off like this episode had some good stuff and i i don't really have much to complain about here uh because it it didn't feel like filler it i i like a lot of character problems that i've had with people like didn't exist in this one and just like all in all stuff was happening so like yeah let's do this thing um i said it's a charlie episode it's written by edward uh kitsis and adam horowitz who have oh, written wow. yeah they did this one too they've they they were like the charlie and hurley guys and um, it was directed by Stephen Williams, who I think we've figured out is second only to Jack Bender when it comes to directing Lost episodes. Makes sense. Makes sense. And um, yeah, I think this is a really like solid episode that it's hard to have issue with, although, you know, we will. 
Um, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, we have to. It's it's our job. Um, it's also a fairly straight. When I was was when I was writing up like kind of the outline of this, it's also a very fairly straightforward. Uh, because the flashbacks are made up of like five separate moments throughout like a life. And then the storyline itself, I mean, I guess you could say there's a B story, but it's really, I kind of have it written out as like kind of like one long thing. Yeah. If that this makes is, sense. This is one of the, uh, I mean, we've come across episodes like this before where the momentum of what's actually happening in the episode is so strong that um you know it's kind of hard not to just have to kind of go through it beat by beat like there are other episodes where you know we can break things down by plot structure but like this one it's mostly tied in together and it's mostly just like okay we got a barrel we got we got like kind of we have a destination and it's just kind of a mad sprint to that destination um but that being said like i think this is the most disconnected the flashbacks have ever been to the plot that's actually trend like the a plot that's actually transpiring on the island and yet it feels more important and more impactful than i think any of the weird fillery um ones that we've taken you a mean lot of it's more with. impactful than than Locke working on like a marijuana farm or whatever they were. <laughs> and Kate uh, getting married to Nathan Fillion or, you know. Well, you know what the like thing that. is? It's all, the flashbacks are all emotional. It's all about emotion because it's a man who's coming to terms with the fact that he's, he's probably going to die and he's kind of recounting his life. And, and it's, it's not only emotional, but they're emotional highs too. Even though might, there's this, this over overwhelming whelming sense of melancholy to all of them, like you still feel that triumph. You could say these are his greatest hits. Aww. Well, should we? <laughs> do you want to? I I say we go through the greatest hits because it doesn't really. No, because I kind of want to break them down separately and then get into the main story. Yeah, we can we can start with the greatest hits, but before we do that, if this happens to be your first episode of No Love Lost, be forewarned: we are going to potentially spoil everything in the series for you. Uh, discussion of the season finale might come up. Discussion of the series finale might come up. Later plot points down the line from seasons four, five, and six. So just FYI, you have been warned. So let's go five to one like Charlie does. And this one I really like. Um, you know, drive shaft. They've kind of, uh, you know, they got, a, they got a flat tire in the in rain. In the middle of the rain. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's like they're playing like in... It's, it sounds like they're playing in, like, podunk towns to a bunch of podunks. And, and uh, you know, Charlie's kind of giving up. And yeah, I think... Yeah, he's, he's hit a breaking point. And then... And he's fighting with, with his brother about it. Like, what's the point of all this? And all of a sudden, what do they hear come across the radio? But... You all, everybody! Exactly. <laughs> and... I love this moment so much, and I, I will say this, admittedly, as somebody who who does or strives to do creative things, be it uh, things I've written, things I've performed, podcasts, you always, like, get to a point of, like, is this thing even, or does anybody care? And then you see your thing out there in the world or you hear or you somebody talks to you about it, somebody brings it up whether it be online or whether it be like in society and it it it's a thrill and it makes you realize uh uh these things are worth doing and that's what it does for charlie in this moment and i think it's such a i think it's a i, I think they do a wonderful job with the scene 
I concur wholeheartedly with that entire sentiment. Um, like it is, uh, yeah, and it, just being in sort of the creative endeavors that we're both in, there is nothing quite like um, realizing that something you've done has touched someone in some way, whether whether like a joke you made made somebody sincerely laugh or sincerely brightened their day or like a podcast that you did, like somebody hits you up later and it's like, hey, I love listening to your podcast because it feels like I'm, you know, sitting down and talking about a thing I love with a group of friends or like, oh, hey, this thing you wrote or this thing you did voiceover for, like, wow, it was really good. And it, like I was on the edge of my seat. Like, I don't think I can describe like as, as few and far between, you know, because like, we, we also have day jobs, like, <laughs> um, yeah. everything like that. But, like, as few and far between as, as those moments have been in my life, it is always exceedingly profound when you experience them. Because, uh, yeah, a lot of times it does just kind of feel like you're talking into the void or you're putting stuff out there into the void. And, yeah, a lot of times it does feel like you're – like it's sort of like a Sisyphean effort where you're just rolling <laughs> a boulder up a hill and going like, what is the point? Am I even making any any groundwork? And this is the moment that Charlie realizes like, oh, shit, like we're going to make it. Like this band can make it. Yeah. And, oh, and just he he picks up his older brother and starts spinning him around because like they were at each other's throats just a minute before. And uh, again, Dominic Monaghan's performance here is so great and so charming and just the absolute pure joy and elation that he's displaying on his face while they're sitting there in the middle of the rain. It's just, it's so wonderful. Um, the next moment is, uh, it's, uh, it's young Charlie, very young Charlie, little kid. And um, he doesn't want to jump in the pool. And his father's like, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. And he's like, I don't know. And <laughs> he's like, he's like, jump, jump. And he jumps in the pool. Father does not catch him. <laughs> but, but picks it, him back up anyway. Yeah. Picks him back up and is there for him. And he's teaching him to swim. <laughs> and I mean, look, this obviously is also there in a connection to, uh, to, uh, uh, what Charlie's going to have to do at the end of this episode. Yeah, I, but, I, for, I forget when in the series it contradicted that thing that happened in, like, episode three where Charlie said he couldn't swim. But I know that they did reestablish later that he's like, no, no, I can totally swim. and I'm, I'm an amazing swimmer. <laughs> um, I forget when they reestablished that. Although there's like, a great thing in this episode, and just while it's in my head because I don't want to forget it for later, where because charlie has said like i was a swim champ and then later des and he's like i can hold my breath for four minutes and desmond's like how how long can you really hold your breath and charles like does it matter and i (laughs) and that's a great moment too because it's like a moment of accepting his fate kind of and he goes come on man (laughs) we both know how this is gonna shake out and he knows he's gonna the thing is when when Charlie takes that swim at the end of the episode, like he knows he's going to get in there because Desmond's foresaw that. So it also doesn't matter for that reason. Yeah, exactly. He's like, Hey, I like, uh, I know it's coming, but it's not going to happen immediately right now. Um, Uh, but but it's a a nice father son moment also. Yeah. I, I loved this moment. Um, I don't know, uh, if, if you remember, Wait, you don't know how to swim, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> I was just about to ask you if you had any memories of learning how to swim, and then I remembered that you never bothered. <laughs> oh, I have memories of attempting to learn to swim. It just didn't take from me. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. That mu- those must be very troublesome memories then. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I, I remember... I remember taking swimming lessons as a kid and I definitely remember being a little kid and being afraid to jump off of the diving board and actually needing the instructor to like jump with me because I was too afraid to do it by myself. Uh, This is when I was like super, super little, but like um, 
like, I can't really imagine my life in which uh, I didn't know how to swim. So even though it's like, oh, it's it's really funny that I, I couldn't do it on my own, um, you know, that I have memories of that. Um, like, I'm really glad I learned because so much of my life has been spent uh, swimming in one way or another, like going on family trips to the lake and um, like I was on the swim team when I was in um, middle school and high school and I've got a lot of good memories doing that. Well, this is why if we're ever in a loss situation, you're the one who's going to have to risk their life and swim down the hatch and I'll just, uh, you know, You'll I'll just like, relax, I'll relax on the beach. Yeah, so I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, can't do it. I guess I will just have to go into this scenario with lots of explosive and gunfire. So sounds good to me, Will. I'll go for a swim. You can stay on the beach where the explosions are going to happen. <laughs> Not to jump ahead. <laughs> so, uh, number three on his list. Number three starts off Charlie's in bed with Living two that rock women. star life. And I'll tell you what. That'd be on my greatest hit when my life flashes before my eyes. So I get it, Charlie. But no, it's actually more emotional and sweet than this. It is It is funny that it's the moment after he has the threesome that really matters to him. Yeah. Um, well, his brother comes in, you know, and, and we established at this point it's before Charlie's into drugs because he calls him the only drug-free rock star in the world. And he decides to give him the family heirloom, which is the drive shaft ring, which is because drive shaft stands for something else in the family. It's a little, it's, it's a, it's a it's little, a little, yeah, it's a little forced. This one, but yeah, uh, apparently they they decided to name their band after the initials of one of their ancestors. I guess that was tied to this particular family heirloom. But yeah. like, like, like you're saying, it's a little forced, but the sentiment is nice. The sentiment, though, that I really love, and again, to just say something that happens on the island, because I think this is the time for it, is Liam gave it to Charlie because he knows he's going to screw up and he doesn't want, he wants it to stay in the family. Now, Charlie's going to die. Charlie leaves it in Aaron's crib because he wants to pass it on to someone. Yeah, which again, it's it's very, like you said, it's a little forced, it's a little contrived, it's a little retconny, but like again, the sentiment is really nice. So yeah. I don't, I don't mind it so much. This is one of those things where it's like this is clearly, this is clearly forced, but like it's a little thing, and the thought is sweet so i i'm willing to overlook it you know of all the things we could nitpick about we don't have to nitpick about this you know um number two charlie is busking Which, is this the same street corner he was on uh during With the flashback Desmond? of flash yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well i believe he was singing uh wonder wall then so because isn't that what he's this singing? This is probably it? Yeah. a different day. This yeah. is probably I mean, a different day. Wonder Same World's got to be a pretty popular busking song in the early 2000s on a London street. Outside but, of Covent Garden, which I've been there. So he's, he's and it starts to rain. He's like, ah, and he's leaving. And he walks past an alleyway and he sees someone being mugged. You know who's being mugged? Who? You don't know who that woman was? No. I'll give you a hint. She's from Iraq. <gasps> Shut up. Yeah, it was that Nadia. That was Nadia? Yep. Oh, my God. I did not recognize her. In the in like, Maybe it's because it was super rainy and everything like that, and her, her hair was all wet, but I did not recognize that that was Nadia. That's clearly an indication that it's been too long since we've seen Nadia. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, though. And he, she's being mugged, and he comes in, and he, he, uh, he fights like, off the mugger. He hits the dude with his guitar case, which is exactly what I wanted him to do. And I'm so he elkabonged him. <laughs> and she tells him that he's a hero, and he kind of downplays it that he's anyone would have done this. And she goes, "No, three other people saw what was happening and just kept walking." 
like you're a hero and basically like don't you forget it that you're a hero oh charlie's the best and just the the like this is such a great moment too because there's so charlie spends so much time on the island wanting to be important um that a moment like this where somebody says hey you mattered you made a difference and like specifically you made a difference to me uh and i'll never forget it it's just it's you know it's really validating for the poor guy so it's really it was really nice to see and finally number one moment the first night on the island right after the plane crash and he sees sees claire all all pregnant and alone and he brings her his his blanket even though she's got another one but she needs to stay warm for two so he gives her the extra blanket doing the thing that charlie does offering help to somebody who doesn't necessarily need help that's true but he, it's it's so it's it's sweet again this although is, i will this say it was a little like much like everyone walked past nadia getting mugged like you know, this pregnant woman, you think somebody would be being a little attentive to them. Yeah, you, you think everybody's so wrapped up in their own BS that, like, Charlie's probably one of the few people actually paying attention to the needs of others. So, you know, again, good on you, Charlie. And he's charming. He's like, oh, like, first plane crash? Yeah, I could always see the newbies or whatever. <laughs> and... He's like, uh, and he tells her, he reassures her, like in a moment she needs it, that we're going to be okay. We're going to be rescued, which is, they're not really going to be okay. But the sentiment. (laughs) I like your optimism, kid. (laughs) So those are Charlie's greatest hits. Those make up his life, uh, which he, uh, you know, he kind of downplays later about his miserable life or whatever he calls it. And, uh yeah yeah no as as far as uh, a list of top five greatest hits i don't i think those are pretty darn good don't you they're pretty good i think i think i'd have five better ones <laughs> if you're trying to one up charlie i mean i haven't thought of them just yet but i think i could pull pull five better things than these <laughs> Even the one where you got called a hero and better than meeting the love of your life, like. <laughs> okay, well, I've never been called a hero, and I've never met the love of my life. Um, but you got him beat on the other three, right? I got him beat on the other three. I <laughs> okay, think, there you go. I think for sure, and also, you know, I- I'm gonna ask a really semi. No, go I'm going to ask a semi-vulgar question. <laughs> okay. Since we're talking about Charlie and Claire here, and I know it's not about this, but they, like, never consummated this relationship, right? There's still this kind of what-are-they thing. Like, right? Like, I don't know, actually. Like, I, I assume that, like, after, you know, after she gave birth to Aaron and they start sharing a tent, I kind of assumed they did, but... Honestly, I don't necessarily know. I I assume yes, but see, uh, I always assume no. I always assumed they had like it was always a semi-platonic bordering on romantic love affair that never quite that we all know it should get there, but because of circumstances of the world that they just don't quite get there and they I will- mean that that would make a lot of sense because Charlie has a lot of senseless bravado about a lot of things. Like he's got something to prove. So maybe that's because he and Claire never officially became a couple. So he keeps feeling the need to constantly prove himself. They'll become she did a kick him out for a, yeah. a good extended period of time. And it would stand to reason that he would have to reestablish trust after, you know, almost drowning her baby on accident <laughs> i want to know from the listeners they consummate that relationship i say no i say they don't until the afterlife i say yes but i'm fully willing to admit to the possibility of being wrong on that one so it's not like a hill i'm willing to die on i could see it going either way honestly 
Well, speaking of hills willing to die on, when we get <laughs> yes. back to the island, Jack is marching everyone up a hill into a field. <laughs> I went I, I went a long way for that one. You and did. You went almost as far as Jack did. Yeah. Why'd he take everybody out here? I don't know. I mean, I know. It seems like he, he's doing it to prove a point. But at the same time, it seemed more like a waste of resources in hindsight. And then Charlie, Charlie even says, like, why's everything got to be a secret? Like, why are we all out here? Like, what's going on? And yeah, he, they Jack bring- took a page. You know what it was? Jack took a page out of Juliet's book and he just decided, hey, I'm going to be secretive for literally no reason. <laughs> And it's going to drive you all crazy. (laughs) And Jack brings them all out here to, like, him and Juliet are going to level with them. Um, I I will say there is a moment before Jack starts to level with them um, where Desmond clearly has a vision. Uh, Charlie says, did you have a vision? Desmond says, no. But then later, I kind of love when he sees Desmond's like, okay, I'll tell you about the vision now. Like, <laughs> like it's, clear, it's clear like Desmond just doesn't want to get into it then. But yeah, that was a good moment. Uh, Jack and Juliet, like, we're going to level with you. We've been working with Rousseau. All of a sudden, Rousseau comes out of the jungle. Fan favorite, Danielle Rousseau. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Who we did see collecting dynamite a few episodes back this is what i was talking about at the top of the episode when it's like off-handed things that seemed like just kind of just that one-off things where it's like oh yeah this isn't going to tie into anything it's just danielle rousseau just doing her thing i totally thought that was just gonna be like a one-off kind of funny awkward moment between her and Locke, and that was going to be the end of it but no there was an actual purpose to it and so i'm like oh my gosh there was payoff to that kind of funny moment i i i'm digging it i'm digging it um and basically said the others are coming uh tomorrow night juliet's supposed to mark the tents and we're gonna we're gonna put dynamite in them, and uh, Jack says we're gonna blow them all to hell. And like yeah, so, yeah. And there's a demonstration because they don't know what dynamite does. <laughs> yeah, this look. I I appreciate Jack. Jack, listen to me, honey. I appreciate the power move. This was unnecessary. This was a waste of resources. Do you know how difficult it is? Yes, actually, you do know how difficult it is transporting those nitroglycerin-soaked sticks of dynamite. You maniac, why did you just waste those explosives? Just ask Arntz how difficult it is. (laughs) Um, Oh, wait, you can't because he exploded. But also it's like, oh, explosion in the jungle. Maybe someone will come. Like Maybe somebody heard that. But, you know, I will give him, so, I mean, logic, you know, I, I give him kind of like a a D, but presentation, I'll give him an A-. Yeah, so, I, you know, honestly, <laughs> on that same rubric, I would give the same scores. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Like, as television watchers, look, we like explosions. Explosions are great. This was stupid, Jack. <laughs> it was nice to look at, but it was dumb. So, back at camp, Naomi, the helicopter uh, pilot, um, she comes over to Charlie, and she's like, hey, who who are you guys going to war with? Like, what's happening? Like, she's involved in a war now. (laughs) And What did I sign up for? (laughs) Charlie kind of downplays it, and then, but then it comes up that he was a, uh, a bit of a rock star. And she goes, yeah, they made a big deal when they heard you were dead. Like, ah, that was a greatest hits album. Which is something that Charlie actually suspected fairly early on. Yeah. If if I'm remembering correctly. You are remembering correctly. And that would make sense. Like if there was, you know, if, uh, 
if I don't know, maybe because I got Wonderwall in my head, like if uh, if uh, Liam Gallagher died in a plane crash tomorrow, all of a sudden people would be buying Oasis albums again, something they haven't done since the nineties. There was actually um, the plot of a Nickelodeon cartoon back in the day when I was a kid. The cartoon was Hey Arnold. There yeah. was literally a a plot like that show was really smart actually in hindsight. But there was actually a plot where a musician faked his own death for the purpose of like coming back after like all the the merch stuff and like the greatest hits stuff and like everybody like getting reinvested in his brain <laughs> came back. Um, so it's it's funny to see like a, a sort of similar scenario where Charlie's not actually dead, but because the world thinks he's dead. Yeah. Doing all the things that we always do when there is sadly a celebrity death. Um, but it, it, what's, what's really sucky about this moment is unlike that character in Hey Arnold, uh, Charlie's not going to make it out of here <laughs> because he, he can't just waltz back on stage and be like, yeah, I, I faked my own death. Uh, didn't work out, but, uh, I'm going to hear, I'm going to be here to perform for you guys anyway. <laughs> no, Charlie's not going to be able to do that, which is what Ni- Naomi says. She's like, Hey, look on the bright side. You're not actually dead. Uh, and I believe as she says that he's looking over at Desmond as yeah. a very, very, very distinct reminder of like, I'm not dead now, but I'm not getting off this island. We also then get a moment where Charlie is doing his Charlie thing, like telling Claire and Aaron that she will protect them at all costs, blah, blah, blah. And that's about to be put to the test because Desmond comes to him with what the vision was. And the vision was that Claire and the baby getting into a helicopter um good that those are good but this only good, happens right? this only happens uh if charlie dies as desmond says if you don't die there won't be any rescue which this wouldn't be the first time desmond was slightly off in his predictions would it <laughs> no it wouldn't it would <laughs> but he says like you know there won't be any rescue if you don't uh if you don't die and he's like well how do i die and he goes well you're gonna you're gonna be in some underwater hatch and you're gonna flip a switch and then you're gonna drown he makes it very simple there's a lot that's left out of this but maybe Desmond just doesn't see all. I mean, of it. To, to be fair, he might. That might be all the information he That's has. True. He's he like, just, I don't know what that switch does, he, but he, you're gonna flip it and then you're gonna die. Yeah, Desmond just gets flashes, flashes before your eyes. Um. <laughs> so while they're having this conversation, and Charlie's like, and you could see Charlie coming to terms with this, which is great because he keeps asking, like, "You sure they get on this helicopter? You sure?" Like. You, you see him come to terms with, am I willing to die to save them? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, you see him coming to those terms. Now, while this is going on, Saeed's coming up with his own plan. And he's like, hey, Jack, I want to talk to you about this sat phone. And Jack is like, jumps down his throat. Like, I got, we got the others coming. We got to do it. And Saeed's like, hey, calm down, buddy. Um, this, is like, this is like peak me being annoyed with Jack. Like, this episode, Jack is pissing me off a little bit. He gets so upset. And then people are like, he's like, you wanted me to lead. I'm leading, blah, blah, blah. Well, Saeed points out, listen, we need to get rescued on top of this. And... There's something blocking the signal. It's an underwater station, the looking glass. This is, this is uh, Which Juliet. Which is what Juliet reveals, yeah. yeah. Juliet tells him, like, that's what's blocking the signal. And so it's like, on top of, you know, this plan to lead everyone out of here and blow up the others, like, we also have to stop this signal from being jammed. 
so they get a blueprint, uh, a diagram of the looking glass. And they're trying to figure out. They figure out you could swim up under, come in up underneath. No one's had really communication with the looking glass in a long time. Like, I, it's kind of this I mis- did appreciate Juliet being like, I don't know where it is. And Saeed being like, uh, I think I do. And this is this is an excellent, it's just, it's a nice payoff where we get a lingering thread from season one. And right. it's like, bada bing, bada boom. What, where did that underwater, ca- like, where did that random cable that went into the ocean lead to? Well, we have an answer for that. <laughs> and I, I like that. It's a little uh, thing, but I appreciate the planting and payoff. And while they're going over this, and Saeed's basically like, you swim in there, you block it, but it might be a one-way trip. It's going to be tough to get out of there. Um, Charlie overhears this, and Charlie knows that this involves him. Charlie knows he's going to be the one to do this. And he says, hey. Because he's got spoilers from Desmond. <laughs> basically. And he goes, I'm going to, uh, I'll go. I was swim champ. I'll go for for a swim. And Jack says, no. He goes, everybody wants me making decisions. I'm making this decision. I'm Jack. (laughs) Excellent impression there. I will point out in Jack's defense, just because you were good at swimming multiple years ago when you were young doesn't mean you're still good at swimming now. I speak from personal experience. I was a decent swimmer when I was in high school. Does that mean I'm a decent swimmer now? No. But, <laughs> All but, those muscles have atrophied. <laughs> but, the, but Jack is like shooting down the whole idea, right? Well, I mean, again, to his credit, it's dangerous and the person who decides to do it like you said, might be a one-way trip. And so I understand Jack kind of shooting it down from that perspective. Now, Will, you said you're really annoyed with Jack in this episode, and there are definitely moments where he's he's over, he, he goes too much. Uh, definitely, I agree with you. But I actually think for the most part, I really like Jack in this episode because there's there's a certain part of me seeing him go like, hey, we're finally going to be proactive. We're going to take the fight to them. We're not going to take this anymore. And uh, we're this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. I appreciate pragmatic all-out-of-fucks Jack <laughs> after an entire season of polar bear cages and stupid love triangle nonsense it's nice to see him come up with a plan where it's like hey these guys suck and they're gonna try to hurt us so fuck them <laughs> my nice. my favorite version of jack is always uh and we we really we start to get it in the in the flashbacks soon whatever flash forwards humiliated jack humbled jack yeah i like i like mentally exhausted and broken down jack that's my favorite jack that's the jack of season five and season six i i don't know how i'll feel about that when we get to it um we'll have to go on that journey but for right now i definitely think there's a line between insane i'm going to fix this at no matter what the cost jack versus like hey we know there's a fight coming and we can adequately prepare for it because i'm done playing around i i think there's a a line there and i'm like hey i'm liking for the most part where this episode is writing that line it's kind of like um it's not not quite the same level of like I don't give a fuck anymore that he experienced um, when Ben was on the operating table and he made that awesome power play. Yeah, that was, that's him. At, that was him at, at one of his finest moves. Yeah, I, I concur. I think that maybe one of, uh, if we're talking about greatest hits, that's definitely in Jack's top five for sure. But I honestly, I put this up there and maybe it's just because I'm really tired of Jack 
moping this season and being secretive and snippy. Uh, <laughs> like, I kind of like him just being like, here's the plan. I'm laying it out for everybody. We're not going to take this anymore. I, without it also being an insane, I'm going to run out into the jungle like a madman <laughs> sort of deal. So I don't know. I, I think for the most part, this episode rides this line pretty well. But you're absolutely right. He definitely goes overboard in certain instances. Well, speaking of running through the jungle like a madman, at the beginning of the episode, the very first thing we saw in this episode is somebody running, racing to one of the outriggers and setting sail to somewhere else on the island. Now... Who could it possibly be? Well... We fig- we find out in this moment as we see a outrigger come to shore and we see Carl get out and start racing towards them. And I was so- almost entirely sure you were going to yell Carl like Rick from oh, Carl. <laughs> Carl. Well then and then Saeed like tackles oh, them. Totally body checks this kid. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious because the kid's running right at him. Like, what does he thinks about to happen to him? Um, <laughs> but then Sawyer like vouches for him. It's like, oh, it's Carl. And Carl's like, Carl's like, they're coming. They're like, we know, Carl. They're coming. <laughs> and he goes, no, they're coming tonight. Which... Oh, we're bumping up the timeline ever so slightly. Cut to six hours earlier. Ben shows up back at camp without Locke. And he goes up to Alex and he's like, here's your gun back. And everyone's like, oh, what happened to Locke? Well, Locke had an accident. Jesus Christ. This lacks all of his normal nuance, doesn't it? <laughs> and Ben's like, well, Ben's, we are, this is like, this is maybe the most angry we've seen Ben. Ben is pissed. Ben, like the god of the island, spoke to Locke. And Ben is pissed. And he's back and he's like, Ryan, some mercenary looking other Ryan, like, you're going to go get them tonight. You're going to take all the... If Juliet hasn't marked tense, you're going to take all the women and kill the men. He is mad. And Alex, who's a good person, and his daughter, um, is like, oh, no, we need to warn these people. I'm going to go run and tell Carl to tell them. She runs to Carl, who's been hiding in the jungle. Carl expects that she's going to be bringing him some rabbit to eat, but nope. She yeah. instead Carl like, was really excited for date night, and yeah. uh, instead she's sending him out on a mission, and he's like, "Ah, dang it!" <laughs> uh, Carl does it because he does anything for Alex. Well, he does anything for Alex, and as she points out, you kind of owe Kate and Sawyer. Alex, kind of owe them one. Alex, the most moral of all the others. Definitely, she's the best. And, uh, like, you know what? I I know that, like, I know I don't remember when Carl and Rousseau leave this mortal coil. I know that they're not around in the show for much longer. But I had completely... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's rather unceremoniously, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I know it's super sucky, um, especially for a fan favorite like Rousseau. But... In hindsight, I am glad they do for as unceremonious as their exit is. I am kind of glad they get this kind of little last hurrah at the end of season three. I'm not happy about the way they're written out of the show, at least from what I can remember. Um, But I do like that, like, hey, these characters, one, that you love, Rousseau, and two, that you kind of got to know earlier this season, who had some bonding moments with Sawyer, and, you know, that means a lot to Alex, who we also like. Like, it's nice that they get a little bit to do in this finale, you know? Or leading up to the finale. So, they've got to move up their plan now. And they're not going to have enough wiring to, to, to wire all the explosives to go, but they can shoot the dynamite. That's the plan. They're going to shoot the dynamite. 
Which, uh, again, for for having the timeline accelerated uh, considerably, I think that's a decent solution. I think it's a decent solution, too. And at that point, they realize, you know, we got to do all this, this shit at once. So it's like, Charlie, you up for a swim? And Charlie, of course, is. Now, this upsets Claire because Claire didn't realize... Uh, that you he know, volunteered tr- for this very dangerous mission. <laughs> uh, but it leads to a very nice goodbye scene, not just with Claire, but with Aaron. Um, now, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get back into my headspace of when I first watched this. Do we think going into the finale, Going into this episode, let's 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 start here because this is when he's about to go off. And when he Charlie goes off, and this, this is why we give the spoiler warning at the top of the show. <laughs> do we think he can get out of this, or do you remember being like, "Well, I guess he's gonna die"? I can't remember, but I'm sure on some level I thought, "Well, Char- they're gonna they're, there's got to be a way out of this." I was right there with you. Honestly, I was in denial. I was like, Charlie's too likable. Charlie's a great guy. And also, it had been a long time since they killed off one of the original cast members. Like, I know they killed off Echo and Nikki and Paolo um, this season. But, and obviously they had killed off Ana Lucia and Livy from the season before. Um, and that Boone and Shannon had died. But like, I was like, there's no way they're going to kill Charlie, especially because in hindsight, like, you know, obviously this is lost third season. But I very much to this day remember all of the initial marketing around this show being centered around Dominic Monaghan. And like, Charlie is so charming and likable. Like, I was totally in denial about it happening. Like, I, I was totally like, nah, they're going to figure out a way to save him. Or nah, like, there's no way this show would have the cojones to actually kill him off. Like, I was totally in denial. <laughs> I, and I, I remember being in denial about it. So, Charlie's getting ready to leave. Meanwhile, uh, Jack and Saeed get into it again. Jack being a little, uh, this this is where Jack starts. So because Saeed's basically like, you have to take them to the radio tower. You have to lead them. And Jack's like, I want to stay. But it's my plan to blow up the others. I wanted to see the explosions. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> you know, they're getting all their sharp shooters together. Uh, Bernard going to be one of them. We haven't seen Bernard and Rose in a long time. Yeah, it's been a bit. But I, I really liked this moment because earlier in the episode when they're stripping wire and doing like different knots for everything, he's like, this is how you do it. And she's like, oh, you this knot that comes super undone super easily why don't you try my knot and he's like how did you do that it's a very very cute moment and so it's really cute seeing uh him struggling with a skill set that rose excels at and then later on being like hey this is actually a skill i can definitely do like hey do i need to keep demonstrating it it's a reminder of how much they complement each other you know and and rose wants to stay but she's got to go she's got to go on that march up to the the radio tower with them uh but but again, it's so cute because she's like, "Ugh, okay, fine, Rambo. If you're going, <laughs> if you're yeah. going to stay, let's get you into some camouflage at least." Rose makes the point also to say that she likes Jack better since he's come back from being with the others. Yeah, less mopey. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait till she meets. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly what, why she said she liked him better this way but i assume it's because he's being less mopey um so charlie's getting ready to go out with desmond they got this whole plan they're going to use the outrigger i don't know how they were going to get out there beforehand but they're going to use the outrigger to well it wasn't part of the plan beforehand to be fair uh so they're going to use the outrigger to follow that cable out to when they're above the station uh, Desmond's made Charlie a uh, a weight belt, 
that he will take them down really fast and then he'll let go of it and be able to swim up into like the I forget what they call it, like the moon door or whatever they they call it. They you have, know that thing that shark from Deep Blue Sea jumped up into to kill Samuel Jackson. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it's like. That the actual designated term is right. <laughs> exactly. That's what I would call it. And then, um, and then Hurley comes over. It's a little weird. Charlie didn't think to say goodbye to him beforehand, but Hurley comes over. And uh, he wants to go with them. He's like, hey, I'm a really good paddler. Let me go. Bah, 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 bah. And uh, and Charlie rejects him. He he rebuffs him uh, because. Truly. Yeah. And, and, but I think it's because he knows that he and Desmond won't be able to speak candidly. Well, yeah, if that's the there's thing. There's another person there. This it's, is. It's unnecessary to be that mean, for sure, but we we know why he's doing it. And I guess you can argue that the meanness is undercut with the the fact that then, like, he comes. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely hate the trope of somebody being unnecessarily cruel for the purpose of like I'm actually secretly protecting you. Like I don't care for that, but we don't have I don't have to deal with the uh, like the discomfort and annoyance of that particular trope for very long because he immediately chases after Hurley. And, and oh, it's a beautiful goodbye. He tells him he loves him and Hurley doesn't know this will be the last time they speak and uh yeah. And then they sail out in that cable. Yeah, honestly, this affected me this uh all of Charlie's one-on-ones with people affected me a lot more this time around since I know he's not coming back yeah, than he did the first time because I was just like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Absolutely. Knowing that he's going to die and also knowing how these characters will respond to his death come season four, like it makes... It, uh, I, it makes I teared it, up a little bit, yeah. honestly. So they they get to the cable... They push out. They they're out there on the outrigger. Charlie's got his greatest hits list, and he asks Desmond to give it to Claire. And then Desmond's like, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Like maybe I'm supposed to go. Maybe I'm the one. I'm always supposed to save you, kind of thing." Because and that's Desmond's have- a good guy. Even even in the like even sort of having given up on being able to save Charlie, like when, when the moment actually comes just like earlier in the season, when the moment actually comes, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to just stand by when he can and is capable of doing something. So he's such a good, he's such a good will. (laughs) He's so good. And he's willing to go. He's willing to go risk his life. And Charlie's like, like okay thank you and desmond goes over to get that uh hey des look behind you brother <laughs> yeah and then charlie pulls oh, like a in the book <laughs> yeah and then charlie pulls like a talented mr ripley and hits him with the oar and i'll tell you what every time i ever see that done in a movie it usually kills the person but it just knocks him out yeah here's the thing i i i love I love Charlie like wanting to do this for the sake of the people he loves and everything like that. But there's so much in, in television and movies where somebody gets knocked out where somebody knocks somebody else out because it's like, I, I need you to be incapacitated so that I can go and do this very dangerous thing. And every time it happens, like as an adult, I always like, like white knuckle, white knuckles on my knees going like oh no like that could kill the person you're trying to protect what are you doing <laughs> yeah like i wouldn't know how to knock someone out without killing them without like or like without causing like i don't know if you know this but if a if you hit a person hard enough to render them unconscious that's not good for them <laughs> like even remotely um so then charlie dives down very good sequence. I thought it was a really nicely filmed sequence. Him going under, he especially sees... as like the the score picks up too. Like the longer he's underwater, 
and he swims up into the looking glass and he kind of can't believe he's made it in there and he crawls out and then all of a sudden two women come out with guns and he's like oh wow yeah i i know that there's a huge gap in information between me getting here and having to flip that switch before I drown. But yeah, we have no idea what's about to go down now. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. When Charlie went down there, we didn't know what, like, you know he has to stop that thing from jamming, but we don't actually know how he's going to accomplish that. We know he has to flip a switch. And then uh, you didn't expect these two women there. And then, didn't expect anyone with guns. <laughs> nope. And yeah, that's a, it's a great cliffhanger right before the end of the season. So that is the greatest hits. Uh, Megan. I, I mean, there are one or two other like one-off things that like. There's uh, a there's a Jin Sun scene. Yeah, we could talk about that real just like really quick, um, because. Uh, when Juliet and Jack are explaining, like, the whole shebang, Jin remarks that, like, hey, uh, your name was on that tape, and then everybody looked at you, like, what's going on? And she explains that Juliet took her to see an ultrasound of their baby, and that, like, the baby looks to be healthy, and that that's all good news. And Jin is just overwhelmed with joy, and it's a very nice moment, and you can see, uh, uh, like, how happy Sun is, but also, like, a few moments of regret and sadness because, you know, this is another moment where she has to avoid the subject of, like, also, I cheated on you. Um, but, like, for the most part, it's a happy moment. Um, but then, yeah, later Jin volunteers to be one of the people who stays behind uh, to fire at the explosive. So that's that's really the only plot relevant yeah, stuff I think outside that's the of only, the main story i think it's the only other loose end um so now let me ask you the question that i have to ask you who's your uh -huh. man who's your man in black definitely that explosion <laughs> at the beginning of the episode uh again as a as a as a movie going audience as a television watching audience we love explosives we love practical explosives they're always great this was dumb. <laughs> this was a, a blatant waste of resources for the purpose of a big flex on Jack's part. And it was unnecessary. <laughs> um, Mine is going to be, and although I think there is a, an emotional payoff to it, but I, I'm, I'm with you in that I'm kind of tired of the trope of I'm really going to hurt you to save you. Uh, oh, yeah. It's the worst. Early. It's the worst. And, and I mean, I don't know. He could have also... Look, it was clear that Hurley shouldn't go on that anyway, just because you... Why bring more people on that thing? But, um... Uh... I don't know. I feel like there's a better, nicer way he could have handled it. No, I mean... Especially for the, the two writers that, you know, know Hurley and Charlie, like, arguably know them best. Like... You didn't have to do that. Like, their friendship is better than that. <laughs> and the writing that you've done for them is better than that, for sure. And, you know, Hurley also knows that Desmond can see the future. Exactly. And although he might not know that, like, Charlie's going to die, but Char they could use that even as an excuse. Like, we oh, like, saw oh, this, and it, it was just It has us. to be this way. And yeah. early being into shit like that to begin with would totally go along with that. Um, Megan, who's your Jacob? Now that is a good question. <laughs> you want me to go? Uh, you want, yeah, you, you want go. To you go yourself? while I continue to emotionally parse out all well, the good my, stuff. Mine is mine is very general, which so go might not help you, but I think this is. Like, Charlie, look, we don't know for a fact the first time we watched this that he's really going to die. But knowing that in retrospect, this episode is such a wonderful culmination of a character and Dominic Monaghan's performance. And it's kind of like you see this person coming to terms and understanding what their destiny is. 
and really coming to at, by making that list he comes to to peace with it and he's going to do this thing and it's really in a way the most calm and accepting we've seen charlie in a long time and i just think it's that whole idea is done so well in of this like the culmination of who charlie is in this episode yeah it's the it's the final stage acceptance uh, and it's nice uh i like that i i think that's that's really good uh i'm gonna give it <sighs> like there's a lot of good stuff in this episode rousseau's fantastic um, a lot of the performances are really great. Dominic Monaghan in particular. Um, I am torn between like a fuck yeah, jacket is back in proper form <laughs> and giving it to that versus the emotional stuff with Charlie. And so I think because this is one of the last episodes we're going to get with Charlie, I'm going to give it as a tie between the moment he hears his song on the radio, which is just lovely and wonderful and the moment, um, especially now that I know that that's Nadia, now that I recognize <laughs> that as Nadia, because there are so many like uh, other characters that I don't necessarily recognize. You know, it's it's hard yeah. to keep track of um, everybody who's not on the island. But now that I know that that's Nadia calling him a hero, I like I gotta give it to that man. That's a beautiful moment because it's a reminder especially now at the time of this recording in the year of our Lord 2020, it is so easy to give up and it is so easy to be like, nothing matters. It like, why bother trying to do anything because nothing matters. It's so easy to get into that mindset. But Charlie here recognizes that something needs to be done, goes and does it, and is reminded that, like, hey, it's not pointless being a good Samaritan. Like, it, it mattered to me. It mattered. You helped me when so many other people walked by and didn't care. So your life mattered. Your choices mattered. So I'm going to go with that, honestly. I'm going to go with the moment uh, where Nadia calls him a hero because... You never know the impact you can make on someone else that, by that, just trying to do the right thing. That of the five uh, greatest hits, that's definitely my favorite one too. For sure, it's so good. Um, I even like it more than his one-on-one -on -one with Claire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a weird a way. Well, you know, because we've seen him with Claire before, and it's sweet. But, but. That and the hearing the song on the radio kind of give us a little something new. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, those are those are my picks. Um, Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where my roommate and I talk about horror things. And I'm a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about rooster teeth related content mostly the animation stuff so go check those out and you can follow me on twitter at the real will link um and you can follow us on twitter at no love lost pod um man i can't believe we only got one more episode for season three i can't either it's gonna be so fun it's been a very surreal recording experience of season three. Yeah, honestly, I never thought we'd be finishing up season three while still in quarantine. Isn't that bizarre? It is bizarre. Um, we made it. We're, we're, Will, we're going to make it. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait till we're doing the episode where you say, I never thought we'd be finishing up season four while still in quarantine. <laughs> Sadly, you're not, that's not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> um, but until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. 
I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.